Hello and welcome to another edition of the CPL Newsroom Podcast. My name is Christian Jack. On the show this week, we will recap an action-packed weekend featuring the Canadian Premier League teams in the CPL and, of course, in the Canadian Championship. We'll look back at Forge advancing in the CONCACAF League and look ahead to the games this week, particularly the Vancouver Whitecaps traveling to take on Pacific FC in the Canadian Championship. What a doozy that should be. Results, if you missed any this past weekend, were as follows. Forge 1, Halifax Wanderers 1 as Kwamea Wu breaks HFX Wanderers' hearts at the end with a 96th-minute screamer. Uh, Atletico Ottawa 2, Valor 3 in the Canadian Championship. Austin Ricci's brace helps um, Rob Gale's team advance through to the next round. York 5, Masters 0. We'll get into that with Charlie, who visited that game as well. Pacific 1, Cavalry 2 on Friday night. Joe Mason looks like a real deal here in the Canadian Premier League. Joining me, joining me to discuss all the action, as usual, are my correspondents, Charlie O'Connor-Clark, Benedict Rhodes, and Brady Reed today. Uh, gentlemen, before we get started, in honor of Miguel Cabrera making history in Major League Baseball in Toronto this weekend, where he hit his 500th home run, if you could watch any footballer one more time live before he retires, who and where would it be? Charlie. So I saw the question, and my first thought was that any answer other than Lionel Messi is probably overthinking it. Okay. Then I overthought it a little bit. <laughs> I'm all in for overthoughts. Yeah, you know, I think Andres Iniesta is still playing in Japan. Right. I think that would be really cool. And then I think the uh, the closer to home shout would be, I would really like to see Atiba Hutchinson play at BMO Field again. We go. may well get the chance very soon, but That's right. I think that would be great. Good ones. Benedict. Yeah, I want to say Christine Sinclair. I've never watched her live, and I think me watching her at BC Place, I've never been to Vancouver either, so I think that'd be a pretty cool combo. That's a good answer as well. Brady? I'm going to go with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar and possibly in the same group as Canada. I'm going to go ahead and, oh, and try to manifest that. So. Why not? Why not? Yeah, I, I also will go with Atiba Hutchinson in Qatar. Why not? Uh, even better. Even better, yeah, at the World <laughs> Cup, where he would be the second oldest outfield player ever to play in a FIFA World Cup. Uh, so let's hope that happens. I remember telling him that once, and he had a big smile on his face and said, hey, you never know. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Let's get into these games, and we start with the last game on the weekend because, wow, the biggest storylines that came out of this, and you three were all heavily involved in the game. Brady, you're our correspondent, and Charlie and Benedict, you were there in the yeah. stands. I was doing the game as well on One Soccer, so unfortunately... I was not in the beautiful sunlight of Hamilton, Ontario. I was in the dark, dim Mississauga studios. But you guys were there. Brady, you were covering it. So we're all over this. Halifax, I don't know where to start. I think we just have to start with the very last kick of the match. Kwame Wuwak down the left just puts what you think is like a hopeful ball into the box. Although, did he mean it? Did he not? We can get into that. And it goes in. In the 96th minute, past Christian Oxner, who, again, you had to feel bad for after last year's final as well. And they break HFX Wanderers' hearts. Halifax were just all over them in this game. Should have won the game. Should have been ahead. Brady, initially, your 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 thoughts on this. And as a journalist, how much you had to rewrite everything pretty quickly. Yeah, so I was also I was also in Ottawa and York midweek. And they also had an 89th-minute goal to win it. They so did. this is just... I'm, I'm getting a true test. I'm fresh out of school, fresh out of journalism school. I'm getting a, a true test to to the rewriting and, and the realities of the sport. But no, listen. When you're having a season like Kwame Wu, you don't have to you don't have to claim crosses 
that that he thought were goals and he he was very candid after the game he said listen that was a that was a cross that was mishit but that football sometimes you put it in a good area and good things happen so i really appreciated his candid answer there that was the first question in the uh, in the post match availability but it was it, it's it's so difficult to 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 you know write a write a story about how Halifax played so well for an hour and a half, but with, when they don't have the result to go with it, it it just doesn't really add up, right? And I think Stephen Hart had the same feeling afterwards. Like it's it, it's great to have moral victories, but when you're you know approaching the midway point of the season, it's becoming a bit of a theme for you guys. It becomes you know increasingly difficult to swallow. Yeah, you wrote that exactly thing in, in, in your analysis piece, quote, at this stage of the season and given the wondrous position in the league table, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to take moral victories away from matches where they've let points slip away. Without mm-hmm. context, the draw away to the defending champs is a decent result for Halifax, but given the way they performed and the manner in which they conceded, Sunday's 1-1 draw was a tough pill for Stephen Hart to swallow post-match. Couldn't really sum it up any better than that, Brady. You're bang on. And this is the third game in a row now where they've allowed points, you know, to just handing points at the very end. Um, Charlie and Benedict, let's turn to you. Thoughts from the stands. Uh, I was going to say from the supporters section, not quite sure whether you, I saw Benedict's tweet whether you were banging the drums or what was going <laughs> on there. Maybe we'll save that for other off-air discussions. But uh, what were your thoughts when this went in, Charlie, first of all? Um, it was a very strange moment, I think, because we kind of had our eyes on the clock. We kind of figured that, this was kind of done and dusted. And even for the last maybe 20 or so minutes of this game, it just felt like things were shaping up to be this, you know, this this really gritty result for Halifax to take these three points in Hamilton uh, against the champions. And then just out of nowhere, I think we kind of turn around and we're like, oh, the ball's in the net. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, like, we didn't really see it at first because we were also, Benedict and I were down in the other corner. So we couldn't, we could barely even see Kwame coming down that side. Um, but we look over and even the players on the pitch just seem a little bit confused. Like, did that actually just happen? And then all of a sudden the kind of stadium starts to figure out what happened and they've, they scored this goal and they've got the point. And I think the final whistle came like immediately after they might've kicked off and then just ended the game. But it's amazing how quickly things can change because it was a bit of a, a bit of a deflated sense around the team at that time around the stadium, uh, and then just all of a sudden, it's celebratory. Everybody feels great because, you know, they, they get a point there. And it's not like Forge were bad. They had a lot of the ball and they were pressing forward. But maybe you didn't feel like they had that extra little ball in the box or something that they needed to score that goal. But then, you know, it happened for them. Yeah, uh, I knew you two were there. And immediately I'm thinking, please tell me they didn't leave early. I knew you guys weren't <laughs> the kind of guys to leave Never. early. No. Never. Never. I knew you'd be there, Benedict. I knew Charlie would be there. I knew you guys would be there at the end. Uh, you know, we summed this up post-match as being a, a, a little bit like Brady did on the on the One Soccer Show. Is It's just a, it, you know, it's just a, an absolute gut check, really, for, mm-hmm. for Halifax. And then you could say, well, sometimes champions find a way, right? It's just that cliche of Forge finding a way. But in this random act, you can hardly, I, 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 don't, I hardly want to compliment them because I don't think they were that good. Um, look, there's a lot of reasons why, and I, and I believe after the game, Brady, um, you know, Bobby Smuneos has called them, you know, what was he, what did he say? Flat, wasn't it, Bobby? Uh, Bobby said, yeah, they called them flat after the game. Lots of reasons, maybe, CONCACAF 
But here we were about to have a third home game in a row where they didn't score a goal from open play. They lost 1-0 at home to York, and yes, they had a lot of ball but couldn't score. They got two against Ottawa. One was a penalty, and one was a free kick with Matusla headed in. And here we've got just a, a, just a nothing goal out of, out of that. So I think there's something to be said, Benedict, about this team struggling at the moment. Look, they've got a lot of pieces missing, but as an attacking unit, yes, as Charlie alluded to, they had a lot of, bo- a lot of the ball, but not too many real goal-scoring opportunities. Watching the game live, what did you think of Forge? Yeah, that's probably a good way of putting it. I think they had a lot of the ball, but it was a lot of backwards passes, a lot of sort of running down the wing and then turning around and passing it backwards again. Um, a lot of chances at the edge of the area, like Kyle Becker had a couple of chances where I did to the box where instead of shooting, maybe you'd offer a pass instead. And, and uh, yeah, that's probably a, a very good way of describing how, how they were played uh, yesterday. 13 goals in 12 league games, five penalties. Uh, we mentioned a, a goal from Matusla from a set piece. That's six. Yesterday, Screamer from Owuwa. That's seven. Three brilliant individual goals from Kyle Becker. That's ten. You do the rest. You know, other than that, there's not a lot of goals. You know what I mean? Thankfully, they've had Babuli putting it in the back of the net. Let's focus on Halifax because I think they deserve it. They're still seven points away from a playoff spot. And yes, okay, moral victories are running out of time for them, Brady, but... This was a tremendous tactical performance from Stephen Hart. I called it a masterclass at one soccer because I thought that they just stopped Kyle Becker playing. And Jeremy Gagnon Lapierre was really one of the players I was very impressed with in terms of how his movement of playing in that system. Yes, he should have scored the second goal to end it. Um, but overall, your impressions on a different system, two players getting injured very early in the game and sticking to that system, that kind of that 5-4-1 narrow box midfield, and really coming out of this with a lot to like about the way they played against Forge. Yeah, I, I thought this was, you know, one of their better performances of the season. And again, not having the results just makes it that much worse, honestly, when you when you play that well and to, to you know bounce back from the adversity they faced to lose Akeem Garcia and Mateo Restrepo, you know, last year's golden boot winner and arguably their best defender this season. I mean, it's it's difficult, but they did it pretty seamlessly. And I think that's a bit of a kudos to to the organization and the system that they had in place. And Hart mentioned this was something they, they worked on ring and you know, you know time to implement it perhaps the way forge plays it was was a bit of a reason why they went with it yesterday but yeah i think you know it, it really made the most out of, of their own players going forward of course we we've talked about forge's shortcomings and i think that probably was a little bit of halifax's system but the way that it freed up maury donor in, in more of a right wing back role he was you know he was immense down the right the whole the whole game i think he was the man of the match and you know, and, and the way that, it, you know, like he has three true central defenders behind him. You've just got that freedom to roam. And then you mentioned Jeremy Gagnon Lapare. He's he played what seems like every position for this team. I believe he was left back yeah. midweek in the Canadian Championship. Naturally, a midfielder, a bit more of an advanced role yesterday. But that, that midfield just seemed to have more fluidity in this in this shape, it, it, like I said. And I think, honestly, that it could even be better when they have, say, the likes of a Corey Bent in, in that, you know, that the top of that 5-3-2 in Akeem Garcia. Um, as well, Morelli with a bit more of a, a creative spark in that final third. I think that this is something that they should revisit. And, and just because the result didn't go their way at the end of the 90, it shouldn't be scrapped. Yeah, Gagnon Lafayette and Dona, one of you know, two of, I think, four players. Polisi and Jeffrard also made our team of the week this week, who mm-hmm. were just really good in the game. Yeah. Um, the issue that they have is scoring goals, right? Like, you play a system like that and you get that one goal. 
it, you have to keep the clean sheet to get the three points. They could have put the ball away in the back of net a number of times. 12 games now, only three times have they reached the, more than one goal in a game, Charlie. And, you know, you were there at that end, Gagnon Lapierre with a goal at his mercy at that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, that might be the biggest concern. No, particularly with Garcia going down, is that there's not a lot of room for error with this team again. And that's why they've handed these points because they're not, well, although they did get a couple of goals in the last couple of games, but they're not scoring enough to give them chances. Yeah, and I think this is probably by far the biggest difference with this team compared to last year, because last year they seemed to finish all their chances, especially on a counterattack. And this year, especially in this game against Forge, you know, they would when they when they did have their chances, usually on a counterattack or something like that, they would get into the box, but then there'd be nobody there for the cross, or there'd be nobody making the run for the cutback pass. And it was a little bit a little bit probably frustrating to see that if you're if you're a Halifax fan, because they were, you know, they bring the ball up into these half spaces and up to the next of the, you know, excuse me, next to the box, and there would just be nothing there for them. And I, people were just very isolated. I mean, I know that you lose Akeem Garcia very early, and you would expect him to be the guy with that job. But you know, Stefan Karajovanovic comes in; he's a natural striker. He should know to make those runs as well. So I think I'm not sure what exactly it is that's missing, but there is just that little final piece. I think with that attack that maybe maybe comes eventually but you know it's it's maybe the biggest thing that they're missing compared to last year's final run yeah great point you, and you did want to give love to moridona right charlie yes absolutely uh, yes yes i made a promise that i would um because he was i think in my opinion halifax's best player possibly the best player on the whole pitch in that game i mean we saw that alex marshall goal where the run is just entirely donor i think he got around two defenders on the way there and then he makes it just an incredible cutback pass and that was just a really really fun battle to watch the whole game between donor and Kwame Awua I think and I know I know Brady he talked to you a bit about it in the press conference after Awua talked about you know that battle that they had and how much fun that was for him as a player and how they kind of had to you know adjust throughout the game to maybe get the better of one another and that's always fun to see. And I think Maury Donor has really, really come into his own with this Halifax team, especially when they play three center backs. He's able to get forward a little bit more. And I, I think that there's really good things happening along that right side. Yeah, Donor definitely deserved the man of the match for me as well. Uh, before we move on, you both were there as uh, supporters, ticket-paying supporters. <laughs> I think anybody listening to this game, you should be encouraged to go out and watch these Canadian Premier League games no matter where you are in the market. It's exciting times out there. We've got live sports and live football for the first time for a long time. Uh, Benedict, your overall thoughts. What was it like going to Morton's Field? I've been there this myself this season, but what did you think of it going there? And, and a good time had by all, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. That was my first time at a soccer game since 2019, of course, and uh, so that, that alone was pretty special. And then uh, being with the Barton Street Battalion, are always loud, always always having a good time, and being in amongst them was, was a pretty cool experience. And I think, as you said, if, if you live near a Canadian Premier League team, now's a great, great time to go and support them. Charlie, you mentioned the Barton Street Battalion there. The supporters groups, for me, are so smart in the Canadian Premier League, and I think that they don't get enough credit with that. But what was your overall take being around, though? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Benedict and I, we are at least acquainted with a lot of the people that were there that we were we were sitting with. And it's just, it is, again, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll third this statement. You, I cannot recommend enough going to a game, going to a CPL game. It may be, it's probably a lot better in person than even it looks maybe from the broadcast because you're a little bit more removed from it. But when you're down there in, 
not to say the trenches because that's in Winnipeg, but you know, when you're down there among these groups of people, you can just see, you know, how much this league is starting to take hold in X communities, right? You can see how much it's starting to mean to these people. And I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun and meaning meaningful into the communities is, is, is a great point. Uh, let's move on. There was the Canadian Championship Games this weekend as well. York, uh, in the end, comfortable uh, as they beat Masters by five goals to nil. Charlie and Brady, I know you were looking, looking at this very closely. Charlie, let me start with you. It was as comfortable as the scoreline suggested, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah. Uh, a lot to take away from York, though. A game they needed to win and they did comprehensively. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty much just job done for york they were kind of held back a little bit in the first half you know masters sort of looked for a bit that they were going to hold them without a goal to halftime you know up until i think it was the 38th minute that york scores and then they score again before halftime but they were kind of pressing the whole time they'd have these little through balls that just were too much for this masters team to handle and i think you know masters coach rick titus probably explained it best after the game when he said you know York is fitter than us. They have better conditioning. They had more time to prepare for this game. They just were a step above in terms of, you know, quality and and fitness and, and composure in this game. And I think it really did show, shine, shine through uh, that one of these teams is, you know, a professional outfit who's in season, played 11, 12 games now in the, in the CPL, and they're starting to come together as a, as a unit. And it was just overall, I think, a really, really positive thing for York, especially to see, you know, some of the substitutes coming on and, and being able to get their foot on the ball. And it's really good for confidence to maybe play guys who are lacking for minutes in those kinds of games. Yep. Good you know, point. get them on the ball. You know, I'm Julian Ulbricht, for example, he scores two goals coming on as a substitute. He's a player who hasn't, you know, had very consistent minutes in the league. So just for York to be able to maybe build that confidence and to build that chemistry in a match situation i think is really positive the smile on osvaldo ramirez's face too was really heartwarming for me to see when he got that goal you could see mm -hmm. a bit of relief off his uh, off his shoulders as well great to see him being so happy uh more on york in a second on your campl.ca analysis charlie uh, you talked about Coach Rick Titus waxing philosophical after the game. Quote, the game reveals to you exactly what's going on with your team and exactly what's going on with you as well. This game is a very spiritual thing, and that comes from the heart. If you play from the heart, many times you can win games you're not supposed to. We try to, to do our best to have a lot of players that played from the heart, but sometimes life gets in the way of your ambition. I wanted to bring a team that's maybe a little bit more cerebral. We don't have that kind of team. We have a team that plays the game a bit more off the cuff. Uh, Brady, you know this team quite well you know rick well you spoke to him as well your overall thoughts on this the league one ontario champions dug deep but in the end as rick titus said pretty, pretty much a little quite a lot of differences between them and york in this one yeah and and you know, the great thing about rick and, and this group is you know a five nothing loss for some teams might be pretty disheartening but i think it'll honestly just motivate them to try to run it back in league one and, and get another opportunity in the canadian championship next year that's just the mentality they've instilled in this group and you know, if you haven't read Marty Thompson's story uh, on this team on campiel.ca website from back in February, I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. It really gives you some insight into not only the the, the team, but the, the players and, and kind of the human interest story that it is. But, you know, these guys, like, it, it, it's not something Rick's making up as an excuse. They're training on cricket pitches and in, in, in football. And so it's leading up to, you know, their championship run in 2019. It really is an incredible story. And they were confident going into this York game, but, you know, that that's... 
the end of the day, when you're playing a team that's you know fitter than you and like Charlie said, in a professional environment. And honestly, probably motivated. They they squeaked by Blaineville two years ago and there was a lot of you know, a lot of chatter about that. And I can honestly maybe even, you know, we were thinking, you know, Masters had a bit of a shot at this game, but I think York might have been motivated by that and came out and and, and fair play. It was a statement victory and, and as Charlie said, some guys possibly could carry that momentum over to, to league play now moving forward. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Charlie, you wrote, now that they're unbeaten in four straight games across all competitions, York certainly looks to be rounding into form with the squad becoming healthier and results starting to go their way. Uh, good point, and a big game, by the way, talking about coming off the game with, at Forge with Halifax, a big game Wednesday night, York against Halifax uh, at, at Lions Stadium. Mm -hmm. Petrasso looked good, Ferrari, Johnston, many people shined. What did you think in terms of individual display that can help this team going forward? Yeah, I think that is part of a probably a huge part of it is just the individuals at York, just you know getting their feet under them. Petrasso, I think, is probably the biggest one because he's had all these sorts of injury issues, but now he seems to be quite healthy and quite in form, and that's huge because we all know what kind of a player Michael Petrasso is and how good he can be in the CPL level. Uh, another guy that I thought was really good in this game was Noah Verhoeven. Mm. I thought that he sort of pulled back a little bit. He was in that kind of double pivot with Isaiah Johnston and those two together kind of dominated the game. I thought they were really just, you know, sitting together in midfield, watching the game spread out in front of them and picking their spots to make the passes for these attacks. Um, in, in general, I think York really is figuring out, you know, where each other are on the pitch, so to speak, because there are a lot of new faces in this team and these are sorts of things that take quite a lot of time, but they are starting to figure it out. And yeah, I think really a game like that can give you a lot of momentum heading into the league play and heading into, you know, tougher games down the road because just we saw, or they've got a little bit more of a benchmark for what works between them now. Yeah. And again, Wednesday should be great. It should be a lot of fun between them and Halifax. Benedict, your overall thoughts on York's 5-0 win? Yeah, you guys sort of, sort of touched on it all, but I think it was just comprehensive. I think like we kind of expected them to be fitter and, and maybe obviously I say better. And uh, I think they, they did what they needed to do and, and came out with a big win as a result. In the other game in the Canadian Championship, this was a really good game as well. Uh, and again, five goals, but this time they were shared as Atletico Ottawa lose three by three goals to two at home to Valor. Marty was on this one. He's, not, he's away today, uh, but we all kept an eye on it. And I think... The biggest storyline coming out of this, Brady, is Valor and how much of a difficult run they've been on in the league. We know one point post-bubble. We know how difficult that's been. We know how tough it's been for them to score. And yes, it was a Canadian Championship game. Yes, there's a little bit of rotation, but they still had a lot of big players on the pitch. Ricci's got two goals. Gallardo was terrific in midfield. There was many others. Sean Rea played very well as well. And uh, This was the kind of performance at the crucial time that Rob Gale's team needed, yes? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we mentioned guys like Ulbricht on York, you know, getting his two goals and perhaps carrying the confidence over. Well, Richie's done it early in the portions of the season, but, you know, he's gone cold since. But to get those two goals, and I think it was a three-minute span, surely has the mean confidence for their striker. And, you know, since since the scoring's dried up for him, it's kind of dried up for Valor in general. We've seen, you know, they've, they've kind of struggled against those Western teams since they've left the bubble. But I don't think it's going to matter that they don't get three points here in the standings with regards to building momentum. As you said, they, they beat a CPL club in Ottawa. They, uh, you know, they on, on the road, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult environment. Uh, 
sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Ottawa went with a bit of a, a younger team. I think Valor, you know, showed that they really wanted to uh, to win this one, considering the 11 that they put out. And at the end of the day, job done from Rob Gale. Yeah, I think the intent was there, was it not, Benedict, in terms of some of the 11 that they played here? Remember, they have spent so much time on the road. Like so many away games, you know, and again, they get an away game here in a cup game that could have easily been a home game for them. Eight of their next 11 games are at home in the league. That's an enormous stretch for them. We still, many people think they are not a slam dunk playoff team, but if people were to say, I need your four right now, I think most people would pick them to be it. Um, but they need to start turning this around pretty quickly. And, and, and as I said with Brady, a crucial game to get some crucial players. As we said, Gallardo, I thought was tremendous in this to start playing at a high level, Ben. And I think Gallardo uh, needed to get going, and I think you said the home games will be a huge boost for them, as we've seen with some other teams in the league. Like Ottawa going back home had a huge boost, for example, and uh, I think as Valor start to sort of, uh, if they can start to sort of keep performing the way they did in that game, and, and also have the boost of their home crowd, I think we could start to see them sort of build up some more points and sort of start solidifying, I guess, their spot in that sort of top four. Charlie, your thoughts on this one? In the end, it looked like one team, no disrespect to Ottawa and their challenges, but one team probably wanted it just a little bit more. Maybe. I think I think the positive thing that we saw from Valor is they started to look just with the ball. They looked more like they did in the bubble, I think. They were playing a little bit more direct with those, you know, those longer balls up to Austin Ricci uh, and so on. And they just, you know, once they did concede early, I think it was 16th minute, something like that, they did just immediately you know come back into the game and mm. start to press and put ottawa on the back foot i mean it was you know an incredibly entertaining game all around and it was fun yeah just a really really good cup tie i think which you know is what you always want to see in the canadian championship um but yeah ottawa ottawa did you know they struggled a little bit with that kind of directness from valor they weren't able to maybe keep up with them in terms of the pace sometimes and you know it it didn't work out so well for them. I, I don't think Ottawa were terrible, <laughs> but no. uh, you know they they definitely were were trying to do some things that just weren't there in that game. Trying to move the ball in ways that just Valor wasn't going to let them. Um, and and I think I think it was definitely you know one team. Their plan just worked out a lot better than the others did in that sort of situation. There you go. Valor out through to the quarterfinals of the quarterfinals of the Canadian Championship of 2021, where they will play Forge uh, TBD in terms of that game being announced, but uh, coming soon, I think. And also, you know, there is some speculation. People out there thinking games have already been decided about where teams are playing at home and, and there. But, you know, that, from my understanding, that is not the case. So just uh, watch this space in terms of where people will be the, uh, playing next in the quarterfinals of the Canadian Championship. And when it is announced, uh, check campaign we'll be all over it uh the final game of the weekend um is pacific against cavalry on friday night and we will go back to forge in a second and talk about their concaf run because it deserves a lot of kudos but this game on friday was fun as well and this game on friday was the, the top two teams playing again for the third time in three weeks um this time they didn't want to show all their cards. We've seen that a few times already, but it was Pacific and particularly Parmadou Car holding key cards back and never putting them on the table. Marco Bustos and Lucas McNaughton in particular. Um, Benedict, you were all over this one. Your thoughts when you saw the lineup and uh, even though they lost the game, probably the right decision, you think, from Parmadou Car with what's to come and how many games these guys have played? Yeah, I think it was the right decision just to give them a rest anyway, but also, of course, a big game coming up against the Vancouver Whitecaps. I'd say that was the right decision personally. 
Um, I, was, I was a little bit surprised to see it, but uh, looking back, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, a lot of sense. These teams have played each other, as I said already, quite a lot coming out of the bubble. I was at the last game they played where Bustos didn't get a lot of time on the ball and Cavalry really played that kind of back three with Krifa Yao at left back, just almost not, not marking him, but just really being on him. And it was one of those where I think if if you, you're never going to say this, but if you're Palmer Dukar, Charlie, maybe a good day to leave out Bustos was necessarily against Cavalry. These guys are going to meet again, and it's coming quick, many times, by the way, and they could well be playing for a championship at the end of the season. So why show what you think you can bring back to Bustos to get the best of Cavalry right now in a game like that when he needed the time off ahead of the Whitecaps game anyway, as Benedict said? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is, kind of, again, as, as you mentioned, a situation where these two teams are going to try and you know figure each other out, throw curveballs at one another. We saw in that last game they played, neither of them could really figure the other out in, in, with their attack. Uh, well, I suppose you, you would say that Karifa yeah, figured Bustos out. Right. Uh, he, he absolutely marked him marked him pretty much off the pitch. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure Cavalry... I'm not sure whether whether I think Cavalry would have expected something like this to to happen in this game. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Pacific, with the lineup they showed here, they probably still... You know, you'd like to think that that lineup still could at least get a point from this game, probably win it because there's still plenty of quality in that lineup. You're just missing, you know, you're missing your star Bustos and you're missing your top center back. And it's, you know, arguable that they missed McNaughton more in this game, to be honest, Agreed. because they had the, the defending on, on both of those Joe Mason goals was a little bit suspect, <laughs> but yeah, Pacific does have the depth to, you know, throw these sorts of things out every time. And again, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, and and I think that's something that Pamaduka will will take from this game. You know, some things worked in this game, other things don't. You got to pick your spots to rotate, and especially, you know, with that game coming up on Thursday, you probably put Marco Bustos in bubble wrap until then, because mm -hmm. um, it's the biggest game in club history, probably. And yeah, I, I don't think they'll be too upset coming out of that. Yeah, I agree. If you're Palmer Dukan, you're analyzing those goals, it is not good, right? You say, no. we, we we allowed those goals to happen. If you're Tommy Wilden Jr. or Cavara, you're like, this is why we got Joe Mason. This yeah. is this is the fox in the box. This is the finishing ability that he's got. Yeah. One touch here, read of a game here, quick touch here, score here, boom, it's in the back of the net. Like all goal scorers, sometimes the ball comes into the box and seconds later, it's literally in the back of the net. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? Um, that's certainly the way I watched the game. Benedict, your thoughts on Mason's overall performance as he won the game for Cavalry? Yeah, you mentioned that sort of fox in the box thing, as you said on one soccer. Like you could tell that was very much true. Like the way he, the way he runs through the box and gets himself in a good space of the score, and and he sort of spoke after the game about his partnership with Sergio Camargo as well, who sort of knows where to find him. And I think if they if they can keep developing that partnership and getting other players that are involved in that, that, that cavalry attack can be very very scary because we know how good Camargo can be and how good the other cavalry attackers can be. And Add someone with Joe Mason's finishing ability into that, and it's a very scary prospect for another team in the CPL, I think. These teams have a lot of respect for each other. It's clear that the rivalry thing isn't there yet, but we did have a clash near the end where obviously it led to the red card and um, you know Escalante is involved and familiarity can breed contempt. And with more games to come for these two, I don't know about you guys, but I'm all in for this rivalry. I don't know whether the two guys who are in charge of this are too classy to be able to create this rivalry, but we need this in the league. Brady, let's have some more of these little dust-ups and pushing around and a few red cards and fights, should we? I mean, I don't care. People can have a go at me for encouraging it, but it's fun, no? No, it's great. I mean, 
like you said, these are the top two teams in the league. They've played three times in you know about a month now, so it's natural, isn't it? They're they're competitive players. They're you know they're they're fighting literally for the top spot on the table. So you know, with regards to to theater and attracting people and, and trying to garner attention, I think it's it's great for the game as long as it's controlled chaos. Yeah, control chaos. Yeah. Well put. Uh, before we get into the, st- the CPL standings, you alluded to the top two teams at the top of the table. Uh, quick word on some more Canadian stars. Uh, Benedict, you wrote there were strong performances from young Canadian centre-backs at either end of the pitch on Friday night as Thomas Mioguer and David Norman Jr. impressed for Pacific and Cavalry, respectively. Again, uh, what caught your eye with these two? Yeah, just them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, both of them are just so solid defensively. Pamadou said that uh, TMG was one of the best players on the pitch and really changed the game when he came on in, in place of Robert Boscovich and was a little bit of a surprising like 30th minute substitution. And at the other end, David Norman Jr. continues to impress, sort of dropping back into a centre-back role from his sort of usual midfield role, I guess. And, and he looked really solid and as a sort of a ball-playing centre-back in a back line, I think I think he's, he's brilliant in that position. And yeah, they both show again why they're two of the best young defenders, maybe in the Canadian sort of setup. Yeah, no doubt about it. Already named one time as Player of the Week, been in, already involved in the Gatorade Team of the Week as well, Charlie. David Norman Jr. quietly becoming one of the stories of this CPL season. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And I think when Cavalry signed David Norman Jr., you know, a, a lot of us were quite excited for that kind of signing because we know what kind of quality he has. Pacific knows what kind of quality he has when he played for them. Um, and and although I, I will say that maybe when he did sign and, and Tommy Wielden Jr. started hinting that, you know, maybe he can play some center back or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I personally was a little bit, you know, skeptical because we'd seen him play in midfield so much and just in that kind of holding maybe num- number six, even a number eight kind of role. But he steps back into center back here with Cavalry. We obviously saw him do it in the Olympic qualifiers for Canada as well. And he did very well there, but now he's doing it for Cavalry very comfortably. And it is really, really valuable. I think to this team to have a guy with the range of passing of a midfielder playing as that center back, you know, Dan Klomp does as well. He has a very similar kind of skill set. I think in terms of just being able to, you know, pick out the pass really to anywhere, whether it's right out to the fullback or it's up to the winger, like Escalante or something like that they're just able to move the ball out of the back so well with these guys. Yeah. And they got tremendous balance. I love my left footers anyway, in any, in, in any team, I love left footers because they bring that, you know, you got Yao on the one side, but Norman can play midfield, but he's so calm and composed in midfield left footed center backs are massive. Uh, whether you play a two or a three, and then you've got Escalante, they open up the field so much. They can switch play, switch direction, Obviously, Mason coming at the top, you know, there's still nowhere near that. We've no, we haven't seen the best 11 on the pitch yet for me this season. All of these reasons and more. I mean, we can go on and on. Klomp being the best defender in the league, Carducci, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. All of these reasons and more for me is why comprehensively right now they are the best team, in my opinion, in this Canadian Premier League. They may not win it, but right now, August 23rd, for me, they are the best team. Uh, guys, disagree, agree. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm right, Brady. Yeah, I would, I would probably agree just based on what you said, having, you know, an arguable best player candidate in almost every position on the field, having that balance and most importantly, having that depth. And I think part of the reason we haven't seen their best 11 at the same time is because they have that depth and Tom doesn't need to show those cards right now. It's They're happy with where they are on the table. It's early. They haven't played any one-off finals or, or any games of that nature. So I think 
we will eventually see that best version of cavalry and and i, I tend to agree with you that it has certainly the potential to be the, the best team in this league benedict uh, i agree as well i think the only I'm not forgetting as well they also don't have richard luca back yet he's on the way back um joe Dichara just came back oliver minitel's on his way back like they can even get better and i think i think uh Tommy Wilden Jr. has spoken a lot about how they don't necessarily need to win the regular season because they've been there, done that before. But I think uh, on paper, I think they're probably the best team in this league and in current form as well. They're they're definitely showing it to Pacific. Charlie. Yeah, well, certainly on the basis of form and on the basis of, you know, recent results and performance, I don't think it's really much in question that, you know, Cavalry has been the class of this league in terms of what they've been able to do, the goals they've been able to score. You know, it's still hard to take any kind of title away from Forge like that. But completely, you know, they. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I think maybe we we're ha we're having a different conversation if Forge gets healthy, and you know, starts looking a little bit more like the the lethal punishing team they obviously can be. But I don't think it's really any question at the moment that Cavalry are playing the best football in the league at the moment. Let's give Forge some love quickly before we get to the CPL standings because, as a, I mean, I, I, as I was talking about one soccer yesterday, they deserve a tremendous amount of credit for what they're accomplishing in the region. Charlie, you were all over it. They went out to El Salvador, played both games out there, weren't able to play any games at home. Lightning delays, problems, raining, everything. You throw at this team. Um, as I said yesterday, uh, I think they are extremely mentally tough a mentally tough group that will help them when the playoffs come. And I expect them to be in the playoffs, regardless of where they finish in the standings. I think they'll be there. And I think that they are tougher than any other team right now. And when you look at a Cavalry or a Pacific or a Valerie who want to win this thing, that's the toughness that adversity brings. And they want to get that from them as well. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's absolutely the case. And I think going down to El Salvador and playing two games in a row there is just such a different ball game to playing in like... Vancouver Island or, or Calgary or, or Halifax or anywhere else in Canada, just that game on Tuesday night in San Salvador was surely one of the weirdest games I've seen yeah. in a while. I mean, even from the players' perspective, I think I asked Alex Akinioti Janssen this on Thursday after they got back. Just, just what was it like down there? How weird was that? And he just kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, it was probably the most bizarre game I've ever played in. And it's just an incredible credit to forge to be able to just go through all that you know they come back on the pitch they see it's still raining there's still light, lots of lightning so they leave again and eventually they come back i don't i personally didn't think they were going to finish the game that night same um but you know yeah. we, we toughed it out kind of sat in front of the empty monitor for half an hour waiting for the rain to go away but they come back out forge comes out and they're better than they were before the break right before the, the rain delay and just to be able to go through all that adversity and uncertainty and and especially against a team that's really good a team that's going to make life difficult for you and not just overcome it but you know improve and and really impress is just it's just such a credit to how good this forge team is and how much they have learned just from their time in CONCACAF and just how much better they are at adapting to the circumstances in that sort of competition with every with every successive game that they've played there 
Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride to see. It's been amazing to see some of these players step up. And uh, yeah, as as Cal Becker addressed, and you guys talked about last week on the Beyond the Pitch podcast with me, just different. It's just a different feeling of game down there. And you just come back no matter what's thrown at you as a better player uh, to learn from those. Uh, they are through to the next round where they take on Independiente of Panama. Uh, September 21st and September 28th are those legs. Uh, venue still to be determined in terms of whether that will take place in Canada. And if you remember, or it puts a little bit of a light bulb across you, Independiente of Panama, you will remember in 2019, they played who, Charlie? They played Toronto FC. They did play Toronto FC and exposed a very high line defensively in the new Toronto FC high line system that night that suddenly decided they weren't going to play that way for much longer. Defending yeah. champions Toronto FC, I think. <laughs> oh no, it was no, the year after. Defend- it was the year after. Yeah, defending yeah. Uh, losers and finalists. finalists. Defending yeah, Champions yeah. League finalists. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, here are the CPL standings as we wrap up another weekend with games to come this week. Pacific on top on twenty-five points from fourteen games. Cavalry just one point back and a game in hand, twenty-four from thirteen. Valor remained third, nineteen points on thirteen, but Forge have joined them on nineteen points and they have a game in hand on Valor on twelve points and two on Pacific and if they win both those games they will be level with Pacific. York are fifth on 16 points just three points back of Forge and having played the same amount of games. Edmonton are 13 points from 12. Halifax 12 from 12 and Ottawa 11 from 12. Still really close. Gentlemen before we wrap up and get into the games of the week one thing that stands out for you looking at the table as we speak here on August the 23rd. Brady. Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, despite some, some slow starts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're back. Go ahead. Yeah, despite some slow starts from, from, from uh, a couple of teams we might have anticipated to be better, let's say possibly Halifax, and then maybe some surprise starts from a team like Aller, save for Pacific and Cavalry. Everybody's still kind of in the running here. I think from, from the playoffs to the bottom is only about an eight-point separation. So it's it's still very much there for the taking. Benedict. I think it's uh, York being in fifth with uh, three points back of Valor and Forge with a game in hand. I think that's a big story, and I think maybe we could be talking about them as a playoff team potentially, depending on uh, how the team has had them do and if they can sort of keep up their good form after a big week on the week, a uh, big game on the weekend. Charlie, yeah, I think it is kind of starting to stretch out a little. Uh, I'm looking at it now. I'm noticing that you know Western Canada is on top. Mm-hmm. Top three teams are all in the western half of the country, which is interesting, and they were all probably the better teams in the bubble. So, you know, lots of games left to play, though. Lots of games left to <laughs> they play. They do have to play each other a lot, though. They do, and they can take points away from each other, which leads me to my point, which when I look at this table, I think of this. How big is Tuesday? Valor versus Edmonton. Edmonton on sixth point right, uh, the sixth place right now, 13 points from 12. Six back of Valor with a game in hand. You think this, if Edmonton go there and win that match, uh, all of a sudden, Valor are in a little bit more trouble and Edmonton we're talking about, as much as like as Benedict is with York, having a real chance to get into the playoffs. So lots to like about that one. Games this week, uh, Valor versus Edmonton, Tuesday at 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, all games live on One Soccer. York against Halifax, Wednesday at 6. Forge against Ottawa at Wednesday at 8. And of course, Pacific against the Whitecaps, Thursday at 9. Quickly, before we get into previewing that game, Game at the end as uh, campl.ca slash predictor you can predict the games uh let's lean on you three to give you a result uh valor edmonton benedict i'm gonna go for the edmonton win i'm gonna say one nothing 
one nothing. Maybe one of the Eddie Krugers can score, score the goal. Yes, I'm not <laughs> killing Eddie Krugers. Uh, York versus Halifax, Charlie. Oh, I think this one's there for York. I think this is a 2 0. 2 0. And Forge versus Ottawa, Brady. Yeah, I, I like Forge in this one. I'll go 3 0. There you go. 3 0 after they beat them 2 0 when they raised their banner a couple of weeks ago at Tim Hortons Field. Finally, Pacific take on Whitecaps this week. We are all over this. Palmer Ducar will join me on Beyond the Pitch this week to preview this game and talk about his rise into being a head coach and his love for the sport. We'll talk about Marco Bustos returning against the Whitecaps. We're going to have things all over at campiel.ca. The Whitecaps season so far, Pacific season so far, we'll have our in depth preview. Charlie and I will talk about this game post match as well on the next podcast, and we will. Re- We'll have all the reviews on the on the CampiL website, gentlemen. Before we go, your overall thoughts looking into what is, as you said, the biggest game in Pacific FC history, and they take on the Whitecaps. So many storylines here, Charlie. Uh, give us one that you can't wait to see. Um, I just I just love how many you know former Whitecaps academy players, former Whitecaps first team, second team players are in this Pacific group. They're just going to be so hungry to play this game. This is the game that I think Pacific has wanted since the club was founded. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to be so hungry for this game. They're going to be so, so up for it. And uh, they're going to win. There you go. And a statement there as well. <laughs> they're going to win. Prediction at the end. Brady, your thoughts? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, if you're not excited enough as it is with this matchup, I think take the 45 minutes to go watch Beyond the Pitch of Marco Bustos. It'll, it'll, you know, it'll hype you up that much more. But that's that's one of the biggest storylines, obviously. But as Charlie said, there's so many other names and faces, so much familiarity, and quite honestly, just so much hunger from Pacific to get this done. So I, I think they've got a really good shot. Bring it on, Benedict. You know, I know your background from England. We love our little cup ties there. This gets pretty special, no? Yeah, and I think also, I believe the winner plays Cavalry as well. So either we get another Pacific Cavalry matchup or we get Cavalry versus the Whitecaps again. So I think uh, either one of those would be, would be a great match and obviously a lot of storylines in that game as well. And uh, I also believe Pacific might take this one. I think uh, they're going to want it more and also play in front of their home fans will be a big difference, I think. I love it. I love it. We can't win. We can't lose either way. We got a winning matchup either way afterwards, but it should be fantastic on Thursday night. A reminder you can catch campiel.ca for all of your coverage on that. I don't want to rush the summer away too much, boys, but the dark nights are coming in a little bit. The bigger games are starting to happen. Cup competitions are there. It's not getting any cooler at the moment where we live, but soon it will. And that's a special part of the season. It's exciting. Looking forward to the stretch run. Thanks again for joining me, fellas. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the games. And Charlie and I will join you post match on Thursday night as we recap Pacific against the Whitecaps.